Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. Just a note before we get into the episode that we will be discussing domestic abuse and subjects that may be triggering. Welcome to On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. I'm Colin Ellis. And I'm Nam Kiwanuka. How are you doing, Colin? Uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, my cat, again, uh, you know, I think I told you last week he's uh, wanting to take your co-hosting spot, but uh, he's demanding money. So <laughs> I think... Stick him up. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I'm trying to convince him to, to, you know, go down to a lower rate, but... You know, he's I wonder a, if there's a support group for that, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no support group for guys with cats, unfortunately. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, kids are going to be learning at home for a while, so I'm mentally preparing myself to be in that space. Oh, dear. Yeah, but I really liked um, the documentary we're talking about today. Yes, what documentary are we talking about? We're talking about Tina, the new HBO documentary about music icon Tina Turner. Look what I have done in this lifetime with this body. I'm a girl from a cotton field that pulled myself above what was not taught to me. The Fantastic Ike and Tina Turner review! It was Ike's band, but Tina with the shining star. When I saw her dance, she was all I could look at. He rehearsed constantly. And then the pressure came that we had to work more to try to get a hit. And I was afraid. I had an abusive life. There's no other way to tell the story. So, you know, I don't actually remember hearing much Tina Turner when I was a kid growing up, which is actually very hard to believe because we always heard Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, all those acts from the 80s. And Tina Turner was huge, but she wasn't really a big presence in my house. How about you? Um, I used to listen to her. I was actually introduced to her as an actor when she appeared in Mad Max 3. Have you watched any of the Mad Max movies? I've seen the first two, you know, but I've never actually seen the third one, which is, yeah, oh my I want to see it. it was, I watched all of them and I love Mad Max 3 and that was uh, Beyond Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. And of course, that movie starred Mel Gibson. And one of the songs from that uh, soundtrack was called We Don't Need Another Hero. And it was heavy rotation for me. Um, and then I discovered some of her older music with Ike Turner when the biopic What's Love Got to Do With It came out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when uh, Angela Bassett did such a great job playing Tina Turner. Um, but that's when I learned about the abuse the abuse that she endured in her marriage to Ike. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think that's when I became uh, a bigger fan. Well, let's talk about the doc because, I mean, obviously, you know, that's what we're here to discuss. But, you know, I, I would say that my initial impressions of the film were pretty positive because I, I like I said I, I was obviously familiar with her music I wasn't would say I was a fan but I obviously knew of her and I remember that movie when it came out but uh, you know I would say that um, I wanted to hear more about the music and you know they do to discuss her private dancer album how massive it was they obviously you know kind of compare her to some of the 
periods greats like you know, mentioned Mick Jagger. I think he I think she even taught him to dance or something like mm-hmm. that. Legend goes, yeah. Yeah, and I and I I also just kind of love her stage presence, like her performance on stage. Like she was just I mean she and considering, you know, obviously she she hit her peak in the eighties, but she was in her forties. So I thought that was all stuff that I, I didn't know about and that's what I was really like impressed with. Um, yeah, I read a few um, reviews that didn't think it hit the right notes, so to speak. Sorry, <laughs> excuse the fun. <laughs> um, and I think some of the reasons why some people didn't like it are the reasons why I liked it. Yes, it focuses a lot on her relationship with Ike, something that she says she didn't like talking about. She didn't like talking about the abuse. But I think it um, asks us, especially those in the media, to consider what we feel we're owed to. You know, at one point in the documentary, I think her manager says that she should talk about the relationship with Ike because after they divorced, she would do these, you know, different appearances and she's on stage by herself, yet she's introduced as Ike and Tina Turner. Mm. <laughs> People just saw like, you know, they didn't see her, they saw him and they would ask about Ike. Um, and so the manager was like, why don't you talk about what happened between you two? So maybe journalists will stop asking about him. So she decided to tell the story because she thought, if I do this, then they'll leave me alone. I think um, it was a little naive of her to think about that, um, to think that way. She tells a story, but they don't. They want to know more. Um, It works. At one point, I think the manager said people want to root for the underdog. Mm -hmm. And I think it asks us the question, why is that? She could have just gone on and done her thing, but people started, like it shifted for her once she opened herself up and then people wanted to know more. Um, I've done interviews before on on the agenda with people and months later, they're so worried about the show coming out and people will say, well, they wrote a book, so they should expect us to ask them those questions. But think about it, every time that they talk about it, they're reliving those things um, and there was a lot of things that were left out of the documentary that I think a lot of people wanted to know more about. Even myself, like her son dying by suicide. She had a stroke, how she had to relearn how to walk and that her husband actually ended up giving her a kidney. But I think she learned her lesson the first time around. So she gave us what we seemed to want. And I think that was very intentional. Mm-hmm. She held everything back that was dear to her. Uh, and she kept it private because we, the media, would only want more and more and more. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get into all that because like, I think it's the, the doc does cover a lot of, about the domestic violence she faced. And it does leave out certain things like her son's suicide. But um I think you and I, it's fair to say, are both, I guess, music doc buffs. And I, I can think of a few off the top of my head that I, I've really loved, like Quincy, the documentary about Quincy Jones. And then there was Still Bill that came out a, well over a decade ago about Bill Withers. Uh, the Whitney Houston doc was pretty good. There's been some good ones about Michael Jackson. I wonder where this doc kind of ranks for you. Um, I think it's up there for me. I really, really liked it. Um, and I think this documentary was made for her fans. It's kind of been billed as her final goodbye. Um, You know, she struggled a lot, but she didn't allow those struggles to define who she was or who she became. Uh, Her estranged mother in the documentary described her in this way, that Tina would put one foot in front of the other on the ladder and just climb. It's an empowering story and you want to root for her. Plus, 
that voice yeah. <laughs> so many layers and yeah. natural talent so it's one of those documentaries that's you know if you're not a fan i think after you watch it you will become a fan Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm going to buy Private Dancer on vinyl as soon as I find it. Like, <laughs> I'm just I have like, a few vinyl. Um, I'm, I'll show them to you later, but I oh, actually okay. have a few uh, of her records on vinyl. Cool. Well, I think, you know, for, for our listeners who maybe aren't that familiar with Tina Turner, let's just give her a little bit of bio, give a little bio uh, around her. So she was born Anna Mae Bullock in Brownsville, Tennessee in 1939. She, as you mentioned, had a, an estranged mother. She had a pretty rocky relationship with both her parents. They abandoned her as a child and she had to live with her grandparents and grew up singing in the church choir. I don't know if anyone's seen What's Love Got to Do With It, but the film opens with her as a child singing with this boisterous voice as a, as a little kid, which is hilarious. Young lady, what is wrong with you? Now, the name, how Tina came about, you have to watch the documentary to hear the backstory, but I thought that was so fascinating. So Ike renamed uh, Anime to Tina, and then they become the Ike and Tina Turner Review. Our show opens right now with the exciting Ike and Tina Turner Review, and they are wonderful. So let's have a great day. Yeah, I wouldn't say I knew all the specifics of Tina's relationship with Ike. I knew it was abusive, of course, and I, it was all covered, actually, in the in the biopic of her, which you talked about earlier, What's Love Got to Do With It, with Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne, and, you know, both of them were nominated for Oscars because they were so terrific. But the other thing I didn't realize was Ike's significant contributions to rock music. Like, he, he recorded this song, Rocket 88, that is considered a contender for the first rock and roll song ever recorded. You women have heard of jalopies, you've heard the noise they make, but let me reintroduce my new Rocket 88. Yes, it's straight, just one way. Everybody likes my Rocket 88. Baby, we'll ride in style, moving all along. So I thought that, the you know, the film is at least giving him his due in terms of music. And all of that was pretty interesting to me. Well, in the documentary, it says it was the first rock and roll song. Um, I know there's debates upon debates, but um, yeah, he was a very talented musician. And I didn't know that about him, uh, his role in that history. Uh, it's interesting that at the time he uh, didn't get the credit and the song was credited to a bandmate. It kind of explained Ike's desire to then control Tina. She mm -hmm. said that uh, Ike made her promise him um not to leave him after she was successful because everyone else did. And she said that's one of the reasons she stayed even after he became abusive when the documentary goes into detail with the abuse. And a lot of it is very jarring. Um, but Tina says in the documentary that, you know, that back then a promise was a promise. And that's one of the reasons why she stayed. And she does seem to acknowledge that he was a sick man. Um, and it's pretty obvious that he had some some deep some demons and he obviously had a struggle with the drug addiction i think that's how he eventually died unfortunately uh but one thing i would just say about the doc's focus on it is i think to be honest it felt a little redundant i think because the story of their of that abuse was told already in i think well in the film what's all i've got to do with it? and i think also in the musical which we'll probably talk about a little bit was there was a musical about tina turner that came out just before covid and, you know, I just wondered maybe because the film shows all these interviewers and you mentioned this earlier, just all these interviewers asking her over and over again, talk about Ike, you know, like, oh, did you hear Ike was arrested? Like, I just thought like for the film to also kind of 
dwell on that. And I think they, you know, mostly show interviews where she's talking about it, but from 1981 when she was doing the book and when she did a People Magazine interview where she first talked about it. And the doc, when they interview her, don't really ask her. And I would imagine there's a reason for that. And I think imagine it's because it's very triggering for her. And you can even see it on her face when she's asked by one interviewer and she actually grows flush. So I just thought for the film to kind of dwell on it so much was a little bit of a, a mistake. Um, I think it was intentional. And you, you did mention that it was triggering for her. So she had told the story initially. So there was no reason for her to retell it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are moments of the documentary when she talks about, you know, I don't want to talk about this. My life was hard. And it's on tape. It's on record. So use it. Um, I think it goes back to what we want from our from artists, what we think we're owed from artists. I really do think this was something for her to say goodbye to her fans in a way. Um, and I, I also felt like it was holding a mirror to the audience that this is what we've always been interested in and that's what was being delivered. I thought the detail of how she left him was horrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she ran across a highway and was almost hit by a truck. I don't know about you, but if you run away from someone onto a highway, the fear is real. And I also didn't know about her suicide attempt. Um, there's a part in the documentary where Ike is interviewed and asked about them. He said there were multiple attempts, but the documentary focuses on one. That interview clip with Ike, I thought was so incredibly powerful in the way he tells the interviewer to stop and then he um, he starts his answer again yeah. and the, his body language and uh, he, he also admitted to being uh, a womanizer and it kind of felt from the way he was talking that that was why she did it. Uh, he was never man enough to admit that he had abused her. But um, yeah, I, I think she talked about it. You know, what more do we want her to say? And she's obviously found happiness and life. But anyway, I don't think that was accidental. I, I do think that was an intentional decision. I definitely think it was intentional. I just, I don't, I don't know if it was, it was, if it was necessary, if it was necessary. I mean, I think, well, I mean, I guess in a case could be made that, you know, because she's so tied to Ike in terms of, you know, how she started. I mean, it's fair to say that I think that I don't think she would have become who she was without him, which, you know, I don't want to think about, I don't want to say it like that, but I just feel like, you know, I think she also says, she also thinks about it in the documentary. She's like, uh, I sometimes wish I had met him, but if I had met him. Yeah. I mean, it's, she's part of her story for sure. I just kind of think, I I just, I guess I, I kind of wondered if the film could have maybe looked at other parts of her career because she's had such a long career. I mean, she's in her early eighties, and I think just, you know, looking at her success in the in, in the 80s uh, with Private Dancer and with her touring and just learning what like I would love to have just known what her work ethic was like, you know, because you would see like footage of her kind of like telling like the band kind of what she wants and, 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 and sort of commanding everybody. And I thought, well, this woman obviously uh, was very talented at expressing what it was she wanted, you know, what her expectations were and being a leader. And I just kind of would love to have seen a doc that looked more at her music. Well, we should say what happens to her after she divorces Ike Turner. So she basically gives up everything. Like she gives up, you know, all the money that they made from their music, all the royalties, basically. 
And the only thing she actually wanted to keep was her name. So she kept the name Tina Turner. And then she was just doing kind of whatever gigs she could get. You know, she was doing TV appearances. She was doing Vegas cabaret shows. And finally, you know, she meets this new manager uh, by the name of Roger Davies. And he's actually the one that kind of helps her get her career back on track. I love that guy. I really do. Uh, in the documentary, <laughs> Olivia Newton-John even shows up. Um, I love that guy. Um, oh, that's but, right. That uh, was Olivia Newton-John, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's crazy, right? So he, she meets uh, this manager when she's doing this project with uh, Olivia Newton-John. Um, and he it, it becomes like the touchstone that changes everything for her. Um, she faces, you know, racist music executives who aren't interested in her. And as we mentioned, you know, journalists asking about Ike Turner. And one of the reasons why music executives weren't interested in her was because she was older, there was no Ike Turner, and she wanted to do rock and roll music. Eventually, she has uh, her album Private Dancer comes out with, um, and it come, becomes a massive hit, selling 20 million copies. She wins the Grammy for Best Record of the Year. Diana Ross presents her the award. I was like, oh my God, I love Diana Ross. <laughs> um, two queens. Um, and uh, for What's Love Got to Do With It. And at the time, she was 44. And that was in the 80s. So you can only imagine um, the pressure or how people had decided that she's be you know she's beyond her prime, but she proved them wrong. And yeah. she... You know, uh, she did this thing by herself, her way. Yeah, and she becomes the oldest solo female artist to top the Billboard Hot 100 charts, which is incredible. I mean, you don't really see that many people in their 40s up there. So I just, I just think that has to be praised. And think about it too. You know, she was a black woman um, at the top of the charts, and mm -hmm. she had done it her way. Let the kids say these days, "I stand." Well, <laughs> I stand. Well, I think it, it's funny. But, I feel I feel almost a little guilty for not realizing just how important and talented she was. I mean, I think if you look at her contemporaries of that that decade, you know, you look at the Stones, you look at the Michael Jacksons of the world, princes of the world. I think she holds her own. You know, like I think she's she she's she's part of that that group of of, of people. And I, yeah, I just I I feel like I I kind of underrated her for a long time. Yeah, I think she was used to that her whole life. Um, she, you know, at the time, uh, at the t at the height of her fame, she packed football stadiums. There's footage of her performing in Brazil in 1988, and all you see is a sea of people that goes back and keeps going back. And she had everyone just grooving. You know, can you imagine commanding a, a stage with that many people? The audience is, was full of people in their teens to their 60s. There's yeah. a clip of um, a, one of her fans who says, you know, I just love that, you know, she just reminds us that you can do anything at any age. She drew huge crowds and the way she strutted up and down the stage performing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those short skirts and uh, not to objectify her. It's just an appreciation. But her legs, you know, she yeah. was known for her voice, but those legs, gee. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you mentioned uh, appearing in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Like, I, you know, to also do, like, be at the top of the charts and also to have, like, a hit movie. I think to do all that, you know, again, in, 
I don't want to harp too much on it, but again, I'm just really impressed that she did all this, you know, after this, you know, horrific experience she had and having like, you know, a lot of people doubt her. I just think it's like, I think it's a real testament to her, her talent. And, uh, uh, what do you think, I guess, was her... Well, you picked the doc, so why don't you tell us why Why you think... Why you picked it, and I guess what you think her biggest contribution to music is. Um, I, I, picked the, I picked the documentary because I love Tina Turner, and I wanted to... I was curious to see what it was about. Um, she did it her way, and she had range. She can do R&B, rock and roll. And her debut album uh, was actually a country album. When she was with Ike, she did things his way. Uh, then she divorced him. As you mentioned, she only asked for her name. She was savvy enough to know that she could do something with that name. She walked away from a lot of money. And then that's how she ended up doing all those cabaret shows because she was taking care of her family. Um, she may have been let down by the people in her life from her father, mother, Ike, but she fought for herself. I think her contribution would be that she was a black woman who wanted to make rock and roll music. So she did. And she was successful and sold out audiences, and uh, she'll be remembered for that. She made a lot of people happy. Definitely. Well, I think she's going to be inducted again into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I know she was already with Ike, but they do this thing where if you're, you know, they induct you as a part of a band and then they'll induct you as a solo artist. So I think that's great. And uh, yeah, I think, like I just said earlier, I think uh, definitely put her on in the in the ranks of all the great rock and roll artists. You know, your Mick Jaggers, your uh, James Browns. Like she's she's definitely in there. For sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit um, ticked off it's taken this long. You know, um, Tina Turner and Ike Turner were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1991 as a group. And it's taken, what, 30 years for her maybe to be inducted as a solo artist. Uh, it's egregious. <laughs> you know, I wanted to use the strongest word I knew that I'm upset about this. Yeah, it's long overdue and I hope they get it right this year. Yeah, for sure. Well, is there anything else you want to say about the doc or Tina Turner? Watch it. She's amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're a fan, you probably already watched it several times by now. But if not, it's a documentary that will show you the power of perseverance. Plus, you may find your new favorite artist. I know everyone has their time. And I felt sad in the realization that she's one of the artists I always wanted to see live and may never, I'll never get the chance to. So I'll be on YouTube watching her videos <laughs> and performances. <laughs> she had some good videos on there. And yeah, yeah. I, would, I would recommend it as well. Again, I think if you were sort of a, a either a fan or just kind of like relatively familiar with her music I think you'll you'll start to really appreciate her music more and I was watching her music videos all Friday night and they are still excellent <laughs> especially what what uh what's love got to do with it that's that's a really good video and again I think you know just I'm always impressed with artists with such long longevity you know like if you think of your and, and, and the ability to reinvent themselves too you know I think that's the one thing you can you can give Katina Turner credit for. I mean, the music she was doing with Ike in the sixties and seventies, you know, very different from what she was doing in the eighties. You know, the, the, another thing about what's love got to do with it. That's really fascinating is it wasn't really hers. It was another artist or another band sang it. They're a British band. It wasn't and it very, was awful. Well, it okay, was awful. Let's, let's not be let's not be cruel. It's it's <laughs> it was not very good. Different strokes, okay. <laughs> Even Tina actually didn't like it, but she eventually warmed up to it. But no, just the fact that she was able to do such a, a, a wicked job with it uh, and make it her own and make yeah. it her own. Yeah, exactly. It's just like sometimes you just like certain artists, you know, they just they get the they. There's always like I think. 
there are certain songs that I think you, you, they just have to be sung in a certain way and then you can really hear it. And I think she, yeah, she just totally deserves credit for that. And that's the podcast. You can catch Tina on Crave. While you're here, why not give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about us? It helps new listeners to find the show. You can follow me on Twitter at ellis 81 And you can follow me at Namshine, all one word. Thanks to producer and editor Matthew O'Mara, senior producer Katie O'Connor, production support coordinators Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Hallowell, and executive producer Laurie Few. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you at the next screening. Hold up. 